forced to hear my lessons on Sunday mornings. And so it would be good if we took a little bit of time and did just a little bit of a review, but encouraging everyone who has not heard the first few parts to this lesson to go back to the website and listen. Because prayer is something that is absolutely crucial to us. It really is. And we need to not only know that we should pray, but we need to know how to pray. Even the Lord's disciples who walked with Him, watched His miracles, asked Him one day, would you teach us how to pray? They recognized that their prayer life was not all it could be. And I think that ought to be the case for every one of us. I, I worry when someone gets to a place they feel like they've arrived. I think we should always, always be striving for improvement in every area of our life. That's why we shouldn't get mad if the preacher it's on something we're doing. We ought to thank God we've been shown an area we can improve on. We, we, we understand there is a way that we can do better at serving God. And that's what it's all about. For us to become what God wants us to be. It's not just about staying out of hell. It's about being the best Christians we can be on earth. And we cannot be good Christians. In fact, I propose we cannot even be Christians if we don't pray. Because we certainly cannot claim to be Christ-like when we know how He prayed. So, having said all that, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll start with verse number 1. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of Again, verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We'll come back to this verse later tonight, Lord willing. We may not get back to it. We may have to stretch this into another Tuesday night. But we'll talk more about that verse and all that 
it means, all that is implied there, what we can infer from it um, later on. But the important thing is to note that the apostle is exhorting or declaring or telling or preaching really commanding that the first thing on our list of priorities ought to be prayer. That ought to be first. That ought to be first. And so we are continuing on in this lesson that I've entitled The Power of Prayer. And we are on part four of this lesson. And um, I feel quite confident that there will most likely be a part five and maybe a part six before we're done. But we'll go as far as we can tonight, as far as the Lord will allow us. Why don't you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices, and Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord together. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. As I said, I, I think it is important that I take a little time um, to do some review here tonight. So please bear with me. And also, I, I covet your prayers. I need God's touch here tonight. Um, the, Lord, the Lord will help, I'm sure. Um. We, we started off this lesson talking about how vitally important prayer really is, that it needs to be the very first thing on our list of daily activities. We really ought to start our day with prayer. Now, we... We not only talked about the order, the fact that it is first, but because it's first, what that says to us is how important prayer is. Prayer, as I've said, each, each lesson I have stressed this, but prayer is more important than anything else we do as Christians. I believe in separation from the world, but separation without prayer is self-righteousness. We've got to pray. I believe in outreach, but outreach without prayer is a wasted effort.
I believe in praise and worship, but praise and worship that is not born of prayer is empty, hollow, and shallow. Prayer is not an option. It is a mandate. It is a commandment. And I think I've said this in each review. I've said it, I said it the first week, and I think I've said it in each review. And hell is not afraid of a big church. It's not afraid of a wealthy church. Not even afraid of a shouting church. It's not afraid of a holiness church. Hell is afraid of a praying church. Prayer is how we are led of the Spirit. And the Bible says that it's only those who are led of the Spirit that are really the children of God. Prayer is how we make our requests known to God. Prayer is how the lost are saved. And so we shared with you that uh, we've got to learn how to pray so that our prayers may be as the King James calls it, effectual or highly effective. We don't want to just spend time praying. We want to get things done in prayer. We want to see things accomplished by prayer. We want answers to come because we pray. And so, if we're going to have an effectual prayer life, we've got to learn the proper way to pray. And so, we started looking at Daniel, and we we went to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 19, and we'll go ahead and and read that verse, even though I'm not finished reviewing, but but that verse, I, I think I've told you, you need to mark it, you need to somehow know, uh, have, have some way of referring back to Daniel 9.19 because in that one verse of Scripture we learn so much about successful prayer. I don't think anybody would argue that Daniel was successful in his prayer life. And so I think he is... He is an excellent teacher on how to pray because he has experience. You know, and and I don't want to get too sidetracked in all this, but one of the things that, looking back, I I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back now at my years in college, one of the things that I now am probably most frustrated about with all of that, is that they hired a number of instructors who were basically fresh out of college themselves. They had zero experience. They had a degree, but no experience. And I found out in pastoring there are some things you can only learn by experience. Some things that A hundred degrees cannot teach you. 
and all of the book learning that I received in that, in that amount of time did not prepare me. Now, it helped. I'm not saying it didn't help. I don't want anybody that's listening that's currently enrolled in ACBS to think that it's not worth your time. Um, it is worth your time, and furthermore, there are men with experience that are teaching. But my point is this, that I had a lot of knowledge. It, it, it did teach me a lot of things about the discipline of study, how to study, how to find the answers that I want in, in interpreting Scripture. There were benefits to it. But there was just a lot that, that they couldn't give me because they didn't have the experience themselves. In fact, there was a course we took, one course that we took one semester in college that was, um, the, the name of it was um, Pioneer Pastoring. And, and it was supposed to be about starting a church from the ground up. And the teacher came in and, and told us on day one, I've never done this. Uh, he said, so I'm just, I have, he, had, he said, I have pastored before, and I think he had pastored one church for like two years or something. He said, I have pastored before, so we'll just make it um, pioneer in the sense of it's your first pastorate, because I do have some experience there, which again, wasn't a whole lot of experience. But, but he had no experience at the subject at hand, and so... I'm saying all that to say, if I want to learn about prayer, I don't want to just pick up any book on the subject. There are a lot of them out there. But I want to find somebody that I know is really successful at it. And let them teach me how to pray. And that's why we go to the book of Daniel and we find out what Daniel says about praying. Or how Daniel goes about praying, actually. He's not... He's not giving us lessons in prayer other than showing by example. And so, Daniel 9, verse 19, read for me, Brother Hilton. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. All right, so... So I pointed out to you that there are four things found here in the first part of this verse. Each of them is, is a separate step to making your prayer successful. First of all, he says, O oh Lord, hear. Could you say that with me? O oh Lord, hear. Now that's the process of getting God's attention. It's making sure that God is listening when you go to Him. And, and I've stressed over and over and over that if you're going to get God's attention, you have to first give Him yours. You can't allow your mind to wander. You can't be thinking about other things. You, you've got to give God your full attention if you expect His attention in return. Look, that's just the way God works. It's borne out in Scripture after Scripture about a number of things. For example, draw nigh to God 
and he'll draw nigh to you. God puts the responsibility first on us and then he responds. And so if we are going to get God to focus on us, we've got to focus on him. Then the second thing that Daniel says is, O Lord, forgive. And this is the process of finding God's favor. Finding God's favor. We'll say, oh Lord, forgive. Now we've talked about this in great depth. We've talked about how that you need to include repentance in your daily prayer. You just do. You need to ask God to search your heart, to cleanse your heart, to cleanse your spirit, wash your mind. Forgive any wrong that you may have done. But I also pointed out to you that sometimes getting God's forgiveness requires a certain prerequisite. And that prerequisite is if there is something between you and a brother or a sister, the Lord said you must go to them first. And get it reconciled with them. Then come back and talk to God. He also said, if you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. Now that's the words of Jesus and he cannot lie. So don't expect God to forgive you if you're not willing to forgive others. Or even one other. Usually we don't have so much problem forgiving some people. But there's always that one. Well, thank you for the three honest people in the crowd tonight. But it's true. There's always that one. I remember my pastor talking about um, somebody that he said these two guys couldn't get along in church. And one of them finally told the other, he said, you know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh and you're my thorn. And he said every time he saw him, he'd say, hello, thorn. I think God puts those kinds of people. You know, I've discussed this before, but when you look at the 12 apostles, the Lord intentionally chose a publican. That's a tax collector who was a Jew working for the Roman government, considered to be a traitor among his own people. He put him in the inner 12, and he put a zealot who was a Jewish nationalist that hated Rome and considered those who worked for Rome traitors. And so here is one man that is a zealot and another man that works for Rome and Jesus puts the two of them in his closest circle and said, all right, boys, get along. Now he did it. And I'm telling you, there are times God does the same thing in our life. He just makes sure there's that somebody. Look, we talk about producing the fruit of the Spirit, but how can we produce love unless we've experienced hate? How can we produce patience 
unless we experience some tribulation. Well, how can we produce long-suffering unless there's somebody that gets on our last nerve? So just understand, it's all a part of God's process. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked in all this, but those of you who, are, who were in our marriage seminar at the first of this year, I, I pointed out to you, I believe God created marriage to make us holy, not to make us happy. And so He brings two people together who are basically from different planets who do not understand each other and God puts this together why? because he wants to work things out of each of them it's to knock the rough edges off of you not so you can change them but so they can change you to be more like Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Well, it's really quiet, but let me get off that and get back into my review. So, oh Lord, forgive. And then he says, oh Lord, hearken. Everyone say, oh Lord, hearken. Now, this is the process of presenting our petitions to God. And, and we talked about this that you've got to learn to pray with specificity. You've got to get beyond generic prayers. Do you remember what I told you? It is do what for whom when. Don't just say God move or God stir or God bless. But make the reference to somebody. Ask God to bless somebody in particular. Ask God to stir somebody in particular. Ask God to move on somebody in particular. And tell Him when you want Him to do it. Generic prayers require zero faith. Church, we can pray, send a revival, send a revival. We can pray that from now until the rapture. And it will take zero faith on our part to pray that prayer doesn't take any at all but to pray Lord send a revival before the end of this year now that's going to take a little faith Lord I want you to save so and so in this revival now we talked about that we, we dealt with that that you got to be careful when you start praying for individuals because God will never force somebody against their will. But the other side of that coin is God does know how to bring them to a place of surrender. And this is what I taught you last Sunday is, is this is how you ought to pray for the lost. God bring them to a place of surrender. And if you remember, I even mentioned because some people say, well, I don't know if I should be praying for God to put them in the hog pen. Well, I don't think you have to if you pray God bring them to a place of surrender. God knows whether it's the hog pen 
or some blessing that's going to cause them to recognize the goodness of God. God knows what it's going to take. We don't. So just ask God, bring them to a place of surrender to you. And he knows how to knock Saul off his horse. Blind him for a little while. And have him turn his face toward heaven and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? God knows how to elicit that kind of a response. And so that's how we ought to pray. God didn't force Saul of Tarsus. But he did bring him to a place where he was willing. Hallelujah. And that's the way we ought to be praying for others. And so then the next part of this, and we got started into this but didn't get very far. The fourth step. So, so the, the three steps we've, we've gone over so far is, Oh Lord, hear. Get God's attention. Oh Lord, forgive. Find God's favor. And then, oh Lord, hearken. And, and that is presenting your petitions to God. It's when you start asking Him what you want Him to do. And then the fourth one is, do and defer not. Defer not. Everyone say, defer not. And we talked about what defer means. When you... Someone offers you the option to defer a payment. That means you put it off. You postpone it. And so when you're praying God defer not, what you're saying to Him is God don't postpone this answer. Don't put this answer off. We want it now. And we talked about now faith. And that's really where we ended the lesson on Sunday morning. Was talking about now faith. But, but I, I did say this as I was bringing the lesson to a close. I said, but what if you're praying with now faith and it still doesn't happen? I don't know if any of you remember me making that comment. I did make the comment. Yeah, evidently a lot of you remember that, so you must have experienced that before. <laughs> that does happen sometimes. And we're going to talk about what to do when that happens. But before I do, I want to stress to you that I believe you are well within your rights as a child of God to always pray with now faith. Always. Always ask God for it now. Sometimes he won't. And that's his prerogative. But you should always ask him. Because it requires more faith. And if anything is going to move the heart of God, it is absolute faith. We talked about it. The Syrophoenician woman overstepped her timing. It was not time for the Gentiles. She was years ahead of what God was going to do for the Gentiles. But she got her answer. Why? Because she had absolute faith. You can get your answer with absolute faith. Now, sometimes you have to keep praying with now faith. Sometimes you pray today, God, I want you to do it tomorrow. 
and tomorrow comes and he didn't do it. What do you do? You get up tomorrow and you say, God, I want you to do it tomorrow. Or today, whatever. I want you to do it today. He doesn't do it today. You get up tomorrow. Lord, I want you to do it today. So I asked him yesterday and he didn't. Exactly. But you don't quit. In fact, let me show you something. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms. Now listen to this. Thy prayers and thine alms are come up up for a memorial. For a, a what? A memorial. A memorial. Before God. Before God. A memorial. Before God. I submit to you that Cornelius' prayers were memorial prayers. I don't know how long Cornelius prayed before the angel showed up. But he didn't stop praying. Just because he didn't get an answer. That's why the angel said your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. You have built this monument. It's taken time. It's taken a lot of effort. It's taken consistency. It has taken patience. But today it paid off. I, I know they don't do this a whole lot anymore. Um, I think there are a few places that may still do it. But I can tell you, I remember very well as a child, this time of the year, going with my mom and dad to Kmart or wherever, and, and seeing them go back to the customer service counter in the back and say, I'd like to pay on our layaway. Now, some of you don't know what layaway is, and that's because these little plastic things called credit cards. Credit cards mean you take it home now and you pay for it continually. And I stress the word continually. But you get it now. But with a layaway, you hand it over to them. And you might pay $10 a week. And you can go in and pay $10 and come out with absolutely nothing but a receipt. And you go back the next week and give them another $10 and you've got nothing but a receipt. But one day you walk in there and you hand them $10. And they say, just a minute, and we'll go pick up your items. You've paid and paid and paid, and now the bill is paid in full, and now you get what you put on layaway. You know, if, if that...
principle were still working today, probably none of us would even be driving cars. You got to pay for it before they'll let you drive it off the lot. And the dealerships know that. That's why they don't do it that way. That's why they'll find a way to get a commitment out of you. Because they want those payments coming in. But listen, let me just tell you. There are times that our prayers are kind of like a layaway plan with God. There are times when we just pray and we're praying with now faith and it doesn't come, but we don't give up. We go back to the customer service counter the next morning and we make another payment. And we go back again the next morning and we make another payment. Now the difference between this and and layaway at at a department store is that at the department store you know what the final total is. And every time you make a payment, you know how much more you still owe. But with memorial type prayers, you don't know what it's going to cost you or how long you're going to have to pay for it before you're finally granted your petition. But the key is you don't stop. You just keep on asking. I'll never forget, I was, I was teaching on this principle many years ago uh, when I was pastoring in Texas. And there was a, a lady there, her husband had backslid. He had been out of church for a long time. And, and he wouldn't come to church. Um, in fact, I've mentioned him before because I ended up having a dream about him. And, and God fulfilled the dream. But, but he, he would not come to church his younger brother graduated from our Christian school. And uh, I, I knew that he would come to see his brother graduate. We had a guest preacher for the graduation. And I thought, we'll, we'll get this man one way or the other. He's going to hear a preacher. Well, he didn't. When the preacher started preaching, he got up and left. Um, he wanted nothing to do with the church. And he'd been raised in church but he wanted nothing to do with the church. And I started teaching on memorial prayers and how you have to just keep making a payment. And I'll never forget at the end of the service looking at that woman and calling her by name and saying to her sister, don't quit praying. This may be your final payment. She came to me in tears She said, I had made up my mind. I wasn't even going to pray for him anymore. I was just giving up. She said, but but I've renewed my faith and I'm going to keep asking. And can I tell you, it wasn't long until he walked in the doors. He didn't even wait for the preaching. The singing was going on and he came to the altar and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. She was so thrilled that she hadn't quit making those payments. I'm telling you, child of God, don't lose hope just because you're not getting your answer. You keep praying. You keep praying. You keep praying. And you keep praying. In fact, this is not in my notes. I I should have put it there. Um, Go over, Brother Hilton, go over to uh, the book of Matthew. 
And um, I want you to, to read for me. Uh, Matthew 7 and 7. Would you read that for me? Matthew 7 and 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. All right, now hang on right there. Now I want you to look at this. If we just look at this at face value and we don't consider the context, then, then it sounds like all we got to do is ask one time, and God will do it. But this is why context matters. Let's read the next verse. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now, look, this is not the case every time, but in this particular instance, that word, uh, that that suffix E-T-H-F, asketh, receiveth, seeketh, findeth, knocketh. You find a modern translation, they just put an S there where the E-T-H is. Everyone that asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. But the problem with just replacing with an S is that there's something deeper in the original language in this particular verse. Again, it's not always the case, but it is in this one. And and what we find here is when you look at this word, this verb, asketh, this is what what is considered the uh, present tense. And, and it is um, active, intensive. All right? Now, what, what that means is it's not a one-time thing, but it's an ongoing thing. So in other words, everyone that continues to ask right. receives. And everyone that continues to seek right. finds. And to him who continues to knock, it shall be opened. So what I'm telling you is, just because you ask one time, don't feel like God didn't keep his promise. If you don't get it this time, what do you do? You ask again. And if you don't get it that time, you ask again. And if you don't get it that time, you keep asking. Until God either answers or specifically tells you no. Well, hallelujah. Let's, let's, let's talk for a moment about healing. Especially right now, we've got a lot of folks at home sick. Let's talk about healing. Uh, go over to James chapter 5. Verses 13 and 14. This should be in the notes. James 5, verses 13 and 14. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Yeah, I should have went ahead and put verse 15 in there as well. But, but verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Um. And, and so, 
but here's what I want you to see. We all know about this calling for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil. We know that. We believe that. But did you catch verse 13? Because somehow we don't know that verse as well as we know verse 14. Verse 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him... What? Spend some time praying. Pray. Look, church, I don't know. I do know. The devil likes to trap us. Really, it's pride. We get embarrassed, and embarrassment comes because our pride has been um, tarnished. But we come down for prayer and we don't get our answers, so then we're embarrassed to go back and ask again. And that's exactly the way the devil wants you to treat it. It's exactly what he wants you to do. He either wants you to think, well, it must not be God's will to heal me, or he wants you to think, well, everybody's going to think I don't have any faith. What difference does it make what everybody's thinking if you need an answer? And let me just tell you that if you are sitting there judging them that they don't have enough faith, then show me your faith. But saints don't ever be embarrassed to come down for prayer for the same thing. Because he that asketh, you keep asking and you keep. In other words, you let God know, I'm not going to leave you alone until you bless me. Isn't that what got Jacob a name change? I won't let go until you bless me. Jesus said even the unjust judge who didn't fear God or man gave the widow woman what she wanted because he kept, she kept showing up every day. She just kept going back. She kept going back and kept going back and kept going back and finally said, okay. And God said, if an unjust judge will do that, how much more will your heavenly Father give you what you need? But the key is, we've got to be like that widow woman. We've got to keep going back and asking again and again and again and again. Don't quit! You say, well, the apostles sure didn't have any of this. They just, every time they prayed for somebody, somebody got healed. Really? Let's consider that for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Militum sick. Well, isn't that interesting? The great apostle Paul. 
mightily used in miracles. He said, I had to leave Trophimus behind. He was sick. Well, come on, Paul. Didn't you have any faith? Oh, he had faith. Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 30. Listen to this. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm giving you these passages because I really <laughs> want to hear you pronounce these names. So you did a good job on that. Thank you. <laughs> and companion in labor yeah. and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he had now, been Now listen to this. He longed for you and was full of heaviness because you heard he had been sick. Read. For indeed he was sick. He was sick nigh unto, nigh death. unto death. But God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that... When you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So here's a man that evidently went through a lengthy illness. So much so, I mean, you know, this is not the age of cell phones when all this was going on. They didn't have landlines. They didn't have telegraphs. To get word from one country to another took a long time. He was sick long enough for word to get to Philippi. And they got concerned and started praying. And evidently it required memorial prayers they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and Paul said God finally had mercy on him and not just on him but on me because I would have had sorrow upon sorrow had he died he's my brother my companion in labor I don't think I could have stood it if he'd have passed away I'm thankful that you took it on yourselves to keep praying until God healed him. I'm saying to you, church, we are, we are losing out on a whole lot of blessings and a whole lot of miracles because it doesn't come instantly. Now, I don't, I don't want you to think I'm contradicting what I said on Sunday morning. I'm saying to you, always pray in now faith mode. But when it doesn't come now, you don't lose hope. You keep praying in now faith mode. And one of these nows, it's going to happen. But if you quit asking... And I'm sure, I'm sure that back in the days of layaway, you know, look, no business is going to do things like this unless they're making money off of it. 
I feel quite confident that every year there were people who put things on layaway, made a down payment, may have even made a few payments, and then never paid it off. And after a period of time, they got to restock the shelves and sell it again. I don't want to be one of those that, you know, it's like I said to that sister that night, what if this is your last payment? What if this is the last one God's waiting on? And you decide to give up. How bad do you want it? How desperately do you want the answer? Do you want it enough to ask every day? God, it's me again. Remember me? (laughs) Same request. Same request, Lord. I'm not going to quit asking until you answer. Well, hallelujah. And let me just throw this into, I just, I, I want to, I, I, um, I want to address this because I actually, there was a man in a church I, I knew of that he, <laughs> I, I think you all know after 27, almost 28 years of being pastor here, I don't miss church because I'm sick. Very, if, if, if I'm not in church because I'm sick, you know I am sick. And this was one of those nights when I was sick. And they had testimony service that night. And the man, my wife came home and told me that the man stood up and testified. The people don't get sick unless they're sinning their lives. Well, let's just address that right now, all right? Not for his sake, but because sometimes, listen to me, sometimes the devil puts that in your mind about you. Well, the reason, there must be something wrong with me or I wouldn't be going through this. But let's listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered that charge. Because the disciples had this in their mind. Where's the sin? If this man's blind, it must be because somebody sinned. Now, I'm guessing that they didn't know he was blind from birth. Because if they knew he was blind from birth and asked if he's the one that sinned that caused the blindness, I got some real questions. They evidently didn't know he was blind from birth. And they wanted to know, obviously, Lord, this man wouldn't be blind if there wasn't sin involved somewhere. And what did Jesus say? Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. This sickness 
is not because of sin. This sickness has another purpose. It's so that the works of God should be made manifest in him. In other words, Jesus said, I allowed this man to be born blind because I knew I was going to walk by here one day and I was going to open his eyes and show the world my miracle working power. Have you ever thought that just maybe the reason why you're struggling with whatever it is you're struggling with physically, that just maybe God allowed it to come on you, not because you've sinned, but because he wants to show the world a miracle. It's very possible. That was certainly the case here. Well, praise God. So, here's what we do. Hebrews chapter 10. And my time is almost up. I'm getting ready to get into a whole new area here. I didn't make much progress on these notes. Lord, help me, Jesus. Surely I'll get it done before the end of the year. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 through 38. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while... And he shall come, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Listen to what the apostle said. You have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, now look, we could go over to the book of James. And, and James talks about patience. And faith. And he talks about, behold the husbandman, which is another word for a farmer. You want to know about faith? You want to know about patience? Look at the farmer. What does a farmer do? Does a farmer just go throw seed on the ground and then say, okay, let me wait three or four months? No, that's not the way it works. He is constantly and consistently involved in helping that seed to produce. That's the faith of a husbandman. And James said that's the way your faith ought to be. You plant the seed, but you don't leave it there. You keep working, and you keep working, and you keep working, and you keep working. And you know, just like the farmer knows, there are some things we have no control over. We run into a drought, not much I can do about that. Or it decides all of a sudden we're going to have floods for months, not a lot I can do about that. But I'm going to do everything I can and let God do what only He can. But everything I can is not just asking one time and giving up. It's going back again and again and again. And then he said in verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. 
Now, here's what he said. I know it seems like it's taken God a while to get around to it. But hang on. Because the moment will arrive when God's going to quit deferring. That moment will come. That answer will be provided. Oh, somebody hear me. Keep the faith. Keep making payments. Keep offering prayers. Keep asking God. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Go back to God again and ask Him again and again and again and again. You know, we talk about Daniel, and I'm, I'm coming to a close. Musicians, you want to you come. I'll, I'll, this, this next part, like I said, is a whole section in itself, and I'm going to have to wait until another night to deal with this. But, but we talk about Daniel, and here's one of the interesting things about Daniel. Is the Bible says that the angel appeared to him and said, Daniel, now he'd been on, on, a, on a 21-day fast. And the angel said, from the first day that you prayed, God heard you. But, there's been a battle going on in the heavens. And I've had to fight the prince of Persia to get this answer to you. But it's been coming. Now, why is it that the angel finally prevailed? What do you think it was that brought about that answer? Daniel kept praying. He prayed the first day, and it didn't happen. But he didn't stop. But God heard him the first day, and the answer was in process. Well, hallelujah. If Daniel had stopped praying, if Daniel had given up, it's possible he would have never gotten the answer. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. But because he kept praying. Come on, Does anybody remember Brother, Brother Weems talked to us about one day he was in prayer here at the church before church and, and God gave him a vision and he saw darkness over yes. this church. But he said the people began to pray and as we prayed there was a beam of light that went up from the church and it just began to scatter that darkness and the light just began to shine and it began to spread. I'm telling you that's the way our prayers work saints of God. We've just got to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. No matter how dark it gets, we just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And little by little, the light starts breaking through until we dispel the works of darkness altogether. And God gives us the answer we've been waiting on. Let's stand together, everyone. I, I, 
whatever you want to play, Sister Tori will be fine. I, I wish that I had thought about that. Of course, I didn't know where I was going to end tonight. That's the problem. I would have had my wife practice a song. There's an old, old song that says, The answer's on the way. This I know. Jesus said it. I believe it. And it's so. Our Heavenly Father knows the need before we pray. And you can rest assured the answer's on the way. I believe that. I believe some of you, your answer is between here and heaven right now. Don't get discouraged, child of God. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Tonight may be the final payment. This may be the one that finally breaks the hold that hell has. And God delivers the answer to you. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. There are things we've prayed for for years that we haven't seen yet. But I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I believe everything that God has ever said to this church is going to come to pass. I believe that. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. You need healing tonight? Well, I've been prayed for before. Don't stop now. If you didn't get your healing, go back and ask again. He's a prayer answering God. He's a prayer answering God. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's talk to him for just a moment, everybody. Let's talk to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Anybody want to talk to the Lord for a few moments here tonight? Anybody want to come down around the front? Make your petition known one more time. 
praying with now faith. Now faith. Lord, do it now. Do it tonight, God. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And I want you to know I'm not going to stop until it happens.